0: and vegetables um yeah so guys i just spent three weeks in israel with my family it's our first time going back since we left israel besides me leading a bunch of trips for birthright and things like that um it was unbelievable i just want to do a quick plug if you guys have not been on a rage trip to israel just go trust me you will have an amazing time we are so lucky to be jews and to have access to this incredible land. It's just it's just the best. So uh all right. Um guys, moving right along. If you if you're not showing your screen, please do. It'll make this so much more interesting and uh I would appreciate it cuz it's been a while. I haven't taught in 3 weeks. I haven't done anything in three. I haven't even like thought in 3 weeks. I've been surrounded by my six kids and my sister's six kids in a uh small Israeli apartment for uh 3 weeks. We basically didn't have space to think or to do anything, but it was still awesome. Um so today I would like to share with you some ideas um continuing with the mission that we set out to do before I uh before Passover interrupted everything, which was to talk about the daily Life of a Jew. And we started talking about waking up in the morning a few weeks ago. If you guys remember, the first law in the Jewish book of law is to get up in the morning. And we said, why is that a big deal? Why is that important? Why do you have to be told to get up in the morning? Did anyone remember anything we talked about back then? It's a very important message. Why should we get up in the morning? Because we're here for a reason. Every morning that you wake up, God is telling you the world needs you. You can do something unique that no one else has ever done before. You're here for a reason. And on that note, we mentioned the first thing that a Jew does. The second they realize that they're awake is to say, does anyone remember what you say? Moda'ani in English. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this gift, this opportunity of another day of life. And let's take it from there. What comes next? Okay, so we're going to run through a few more of the morning rituals and try, if we have time, to get to the, the morning prayer service. And it's going to be uh, exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing this with you. So, very first thing we do. After we say thank you, does anyone know what the next thing you do? or what is that? How do you say that in English? Who knows? (laughs) Washing your hands. There's a special custom, Jewish law, to wash your hands. And actually, um, many, many people have a, a cup of water and a basin right next to their bed to wash their hands without even walking. It's a, it's preferable to wash your hands right by your bed, although some people wash in the sink. And the reasons for this are um, are several. Why do we wash our hands in the morning? So, oh, before we get to that, so based on Jewish law, there are two primary reasons why we wash our hands in the morning. And then we'll get to the hooky spooky stuff that Avi just mentioned uh, in a second. Reason number one is because every day it's your birthday, like we just mentioned. Every day when you're when you wake up in the morning, it's like you're reborn. And in commemoration of the fact that you've just been recreated, sleep, according to Judaism, is a is a little bit of a taste of death. Because when you're sleeping, your soul leaves your body. And we're going to talk about that more in a second, and your consciousness leaves you, and you're essentially a little bit dead. There's another interesting thing about sleep that sleep is also a taste of prophecy. Dreams are a taste of prophecy. And there's no coincidence that those two things go hand in hand. Because as the conscious mind shuts down, the spiritual mind is able to access wisdom. And that's why people, when they near their death experience, according to uh, Kabbalah and many other traditions and religions and different scientific evidence, people are able to access spiritual wisdom right before they die as well because their brain and their body are starting to shut down. That's why the Talmud says that the fetus inside the mother's womb has prophecies, able to see the entire universe and learn the entire Torah because the fetus, when it's in the mother's womb, the soul is disconnected from the body and therefore the soul has access to spiritual wisdom. And that's perhaps why hallucinogenic drugs have the ability to give people access to different parts of the brain, some of which may border on some sort of spiritual, prophetic type of experience, because the um, hallucinogenic drugs shut down the conscious, rational part of the mind, and therefore you're able to access other parts of the brain. So sleep is a very profound thing. There's a lot of stuff going on there. So one of the reasons we wash our hands is to commemorate the fact that you're just, you've just been reborn. And water represents purity and life, water of life. And so we wash our hands to sort of cleanse ourselves from this, this death-like experience and to, and to symbolize the rebirth. When a baby is born, we wash the baby. And there's, we wash hands always um, in Judaism to kind of like initiate something. So that's answer number 1. Answer number 2 given in the ancient commentaries is that we wash our hands just like the high priests the kohen in the temple used to wash their hands and their feet and all sometimes their entire body to go into a mikveh. Again, a mikveh is a is a um a body of water which is not touched by by human being. It's rainwater or spring water. And um we have many many different times in Jewish custom where we immerse in a mikvah and that also symbolizes rebirth and purification so the high priests would wash their hands and their feet various times before doing the service in the temple and so too when we wake up in the morning we are like high priests and before going about our day which might be very mundane we're going to eat breakfast we're going to go to work we're going to go to school but nonetheless our day is like we are a priest serving in the temple and therefore, we wash our hands to prepare for our for our holy work of our day, and more specifically, um our prayer service, which we're going to talk about shortly and Now, for the hooky spooky reason given is as we mentioned when you sleep, your soul leaves your body, a part of your soul, meaning your conscious mind leaves your body, and is people who are masters of of understanding the way the soul works are able to actually astrally project their soul to different dimensions. And there are countless stories of rabbis in our tradition who, before going to sleep, were able to ask certain questions and receive answers in their sleep. There's actually a book, an entire book, written by one of the medieval commentaries on the Talmud, the Balai Tosvos Rabbeinu Tam, who is a famous, famous Talmudic rabbi who wrote a book called *Shilas and Shuvas Min Questions and Answers from Heaven. And they are questions that he asked before going to sleep and answers he received in his sleep prophetically. So sleep is a very powerful tool if you know how to use it properly. But the result of the soul leaving the body, even if we're not aware of what's going on, it happens, is that when there's a concept in Judaism which is a concept in physics, which is nature abhors a vacuum. You ever hear that in in high school physics? Nature abhors a vacuum. That means when you have a vacuum, an empty space, it gets filled by something. So we have a concept in Judaism that when the soul or life force leaves the body, it gets filled with something called impurity. In Hebrew, it's called tuma. There's an impure spirit that fills empty space when, physical, when life force leaves. I'll give you a few examples of this in Jewish law. Um, for example, when a woman gives birth, when a woman gives birth to a child, she is impure for a certain amount of time. And one of the explanations for that is because when a woman is pregnant, she has in her life. And when that life leaves her body, her body now has a vacuum that gets filled with something called Tuma or ruachra, an impure spirit. And therefore, she has to immerse in a mikvah to purify herself. Um, When a woman is pregnant with a boy, she's impure for seven days. When she's pregnant with a girl, she's impure for 14 days. Anyone want to take a guess why she's more impure if she gives birth to a girl than to a boy? Yes. Right. The point is, not when when she's carrying the child, when the child leaves her body. When she gives birth to the child, she now has an empty space within her that was once full of life, uh, in addition to her own life. So why is a girl... Make her more impure than a boy? Because women, yeah. No, little baby girls don't have a menstrual cycle. But related to menstrual cycle, girls have something that boys don't have. Ladies, what would make a female more susceptible to this impure spirit than a male? When a female leaves a, a mother's body than when a boy leaves a mother's body. Because we just mentioned, anyone want to take a guess? We just mentioned that impurity has to do with life force leaving. Excellent. Women are double life force potential than men. Because men don't have within them the ability to have life within them. So when a girl leaves a mother's body, the mother is impure for double the amount of time. Because she has double the amount of life force that just came out of her.
1: Right? Now, yes.
0: It certainly could have a correlation. Again, we we believe that the spiritual and the physical and the psychological are all different veils, different layers of reality, right? Mind, body, spirit. That the washing of hands, what we call ruach ra. There are certain times that we wash our hands. One is when we wake up in the in the morning. One is when we come in contact with a dead body, when we go to a cemetery, when we go to a bathroom. So in the Middle Ages, there was something called the bubonic plague, right? The ba- the Black Plague, which spread throughout Europe, wiping out like a, a large, I think a third of the entire human race at the time. And do you know that Jews were accused of having caused the Black Plague? Anyone ever hear that? Do you know why Jews were accused of having caused the Black Plague? Because Jews didn't die from the Black Plague. Do you know why Jews didn't die from the Black Plague? Think coronavirus. What have we all done a lot more of in the past two years than we ever did in any other time in our life? Washing our hands. And part and parcel of Judaism is hand-washing before we eat, when we come out of the bathroom, when we come in contact with a dead body, when we wake up in the morning, when we scratch our head or touch our shoes. Now, so it's very easy to say, well, (laughs) the the whole, all this Jewish stuff, is just, it's just hygiene. I believe the answer is that it's not just hygiene. There is a spiritual reality. And yet that spirituality also has a physical manifestation called germs. So there are certain places that are spiritually more impure. And in association with that, there's also something called germs in those places. So all those things have something to do with death, with the loss of life. Other times that a person becomes impure, male ejaculation, female Uh, menstruation all again having to do with life cycle life potential being lost and sleep is no different because when you're sleeping we just said the soul leaves the body a part of the soul leaves the body and therefore the body is left a little empty and so what fills that emptiness nature abhors a vacuum gets filled with a little bit of this impure spirit and the, the Kabbalists explain that it's specifically the hands that become impure. It's not a full death. The hands become impure. And one of the explanations is because the hands are touching all parts of your body. That's one explanation why we wash our hands. Because your hands are moving around in your sleep and they're getting dirty. But the spiritual reason is because the soul actually leaves the body through the fingertips. And the hands are extremely important. The Kabbalists point out that the hands are basically our interface with the world. We're in this world to elevate the physical. How do we do that? With our hands. Our hands go into the world. And that's what's unique about the hands. The hands have the ability to go down. And they also have the ability to go up. Because the hands can go down and engage in the physical and lift up to the spiritual. So the hands are that interface between the spiritual and the physical world and therefore it's the hands that become impure and it's the hands that we wash when we wake up in the morning to prepare to serve god through the physical so we wash our hands in a unique way to get rid of this impure spirit and according to jewish law we try not to touch our our orifices before we wash our hands In the morning, our eyes, our nose, our ears, and we wash our hands with a cup, specifically from a cup, three times on each hand in opposite sequence. So one, two, three, four, five, six. And feel free to try it at home. Um, Do not drink the water after you wash your hands. That water is impure. And I was told that there are some groups um that try to tap into negative energy black magic that actually drink hand washing in the morning um i wouldn't recommend it um but that's that's basically um the idea and then we make a blessing and the blessing is the same blessing that we make before eating bread or or challah on shabbos atah blessed are you god and we'll talk about blessings hopefully more next week. Elokeinu melech um, the, crea- the God, the Creator of the Universe, Sher who commanded us and sanctified us, Vitzivanu and commanded us al Nitilas Yedaim on the washing or on the lifting up of the hands, and we raise our hands up as we make this blessing, and again it 's just setting the framework for the rest of our day, which is we 're in this world to elevate the mundane, to lift up, not to be pulled down by the physical. Okay. Um, questions: Why six times? The answer is I have no idea. That's what the Talmud teaches us. That that's the way to remove this impure spirit. I'm sure there are deeper explanations for why specifically three times on each hand. But that's that's I, I have do not have an answer. I'm sure we could look it up at some point if you want. We could try to reach out to me and we could try to uh, look into some sources together. Um, any other questions on hand washing? Okay so again, three reasons for hand washing to remove the impure spirit that dwells on us when we're sleeping because the soul leaves the body to commemorate the rebirth, like the water of life, the fact that we are reborn again, and thirdly to symbolize the spiritual service like a like a high priest, a cohen in the temple that our life is about to do to be dedicated to lifting up the spirit the physical throughout our day, okay, then. After we wash our hands, we do whatever you got to do. Go to the bathroom and get dressed. Now, there are a number of laws about getting dressed. And I don't want to go too much into this, but I'll just mention it. And keeping in mind that if anyone is OCD, do not do any of this. And uh, Judaism has some OCD tendencies. There's a lot of emphasis on the details. So just Take it with a, a grain of salt, and know that if you're going to take any of this stuff on, make sure that you're psychologically healthy and that you're doing it for the right reasons. So we um, we focus on modesty. Modesty is a big thing in Judaism, and you'll be surprised to hear that modesty applies even when you're alone. Even when you're alone, we try to do things in a modest way, and that means when we get dressed, we don't just typically get dressed in our bedroom we get dressed in the bathroom or under our covers under a towel so that we're not just walking around naked in our apartment that might sound weird to uh coming from you know a non-jewish western perspective like what's the big deal and the answer is is that the rule number two in judaism rule number one is wake up in the morning rule number two in judaism is we have to come to an awareness that god is with us at every moment Now, God is also in the bathroom, but the bathroom is a place where we try not to think about God because that would lower our perspective of God. And therefore, the bathroom is a place where you do bathroom things. That's a place where you can get dressed. But in general, we try to behave modestly, even when we're alone in our house. And I think the message is integrity. It's a message of integrity. God is watching you at all times. That means even when you think no one's watching, someone's watching. And that shouldn't freak you out. It should remind you to live a life of integrity, right? If you wouldn't pick your nose in front of a group of people, then maybe you should think twice before doing it when you're all alone. But maybe picking your nose is not the worst thing in the world. But if you wouldn't cheat or lie or steal or talk badly about someone when they're in the room, so then you should be aware that when you're alone, you're also not alone, and you shouldn't do those things. So it's, it's based essentially a consciousness. It's for us to become aware that every place is sacred. Every moment is sacred. And we have to behave in a way that's going to elevate our consciousness and not bring us down. So modesty is a big place in Judaism. Um, if you want to talk more about it, we can devote a whole class to the idea of modesty and dress. I'm happy to do that in the future. Um, something else to throw out. Ah, oh, so what does awareness have to do with getting being naked? So the the Torah tells us that at okay. So I don't want to go all totally into this, but if you want to, we can start it and then uh, develop it further and going ahead in the, in future weeks. The Torah tells us that Adam and Eve were created in in the Garden of Eden. And only after they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil did they realize that they were naked. So why is that? What, what what changed? So the way you say skin in Hebrew is or. And it starts with the letter ayin. And the Talmud explains that Adam and Eve, before they ate, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil which again what that is is a whole longer discussion but before they ate from it they were purely spiritual beings who had bodies they were souls who had bodies and their skin so to speak was the hebrew word or with the letter aleph which means light they were they were luminous beings who had bodies that were very very faint Parts of who they were, but their true identity was their soul. After they ate from the tree, they became bodies. Their primary identity now became the body. And if you look carefully at a person, you can see a glimmer of soul in the eyes. The eyes, the window of the soul, in the hands, there's a certain glow for those who are able to see um, with spiritual um, sensitivity. The face has a certain spiritual glow. But the rest of the body is just a vessel. And we, as Jews, believe that the primary identity of who you really are is the soul. Therefore, we cover the body because the body hides who you really are. Who you are is who you are on the inside, not what you are wearing on the outside. And your body is just like the car that your soul drives. And it'd be ludicrous to identify with your car as who you are, right? And yet many people, in fact, most people identify with their bodies as who they are. That's why if you walk into any supermarket or convenience store, look at the magazines and look what's being sold on the front covers, right? How to lose weight, how to have uh, great, Relationships, and it doesn't mean the, I don't mean emotional relationships, how to have great sex, right? That's what's being sold, or just bodies, sexual bodies, typical, typically female bodies is what's being sold. And that is the lie that we've all been sold by the Western world is that you are a body and your value to the world is your physical beauty, your sexual beauty. And the Torah says that's absolutely not true. Although your beauty, your physical beauty has a place and is extremely important when it comes to your relationship with your spouse. All right, And sexuality in Judaism is the holiest thing. But it has to be done in the right time, in the right place, and not as recreation, but as sanctification. So that's why we cover the body. Does that answer your question, Isla? So. Yeah, you want to add? You want to add on? All right, let's do it. <laughs> so, um, why don't we walk around naked when we're alone in our house? No one's looking at us, right? I get why we shouldn't do it walking down the street because then we're telling the whole world, "I'm a body." Hey, check me out for my body, like me for how I look, not for who I am. But what about when you're alone in your own house? And the answer is because the body has a certain level of physical animalistic nature and we try to live as elevated beings and if the king was in your house if the president was in your house you'd get dressed so god is in your house every moment the king of kings the creator of the universe and therefore we have to live with a certain level of dignity again bathroom is a bathroom but outside the bathroom we want to constantly have consciousness that there's a creator with us and part of that and all of that has to do with your mindset Right? Does God exist more in the Western Wall than he does in the bathroom? So what's different? What's the difference between the Western Wall and the bathroom? Isa, go for it. <laughs> Something. I went to pray at the Western Wall and I traveled hours and hours with crying kids to get to the Western Wall. Why did I do that?
1: No, but but why do I have to go to the Western Wall? Why can't I go to my own wall right here in my basement? Okay, even more than the mystery. How can you be closer to God if God is everywhere?
0: Again, how does that? How does it answer the question? Because there was worship done there that makes it a holier place. God is everywhere. So the answer, I believe, is that it's not about where God is. Do you know where God is? One of the great Hasidic masters asked the following question to his students, where is God? And do you know what he answered? His students were the deepest Kabbalists of, of, of the 250 years ago in Europe. And their rabbi comes into the room one day and he says, where is God? And the students are like, what do you mean? We've been studying this all day. We know God exists in the heavens. God exists in the earth. God is everywhere. What's the rabbi trying to, to ask us? And there was a big tumult, a big uh, an outcry in the study hall. And students started yelling at each other and thumbs were flying and, and voices were raised. And finally, the rabbi came back in and he said, I'll tell you where God is, wherever you let him in. God is everywhere. So it doesn't have to do with where God is more. It has to do with where we can perceive God more. It's about our experience, about our consciousness and awareness, because God is everywhere. So there's no more God at the Western Wall than there is in my basement, or in the bathroom for that matter. But it's easier to tap into that experience in certain places where the veil is thinner. It's more revealed. So in places like the bathroom where my consciousness is in a lower place, so I try not to bring God into those places even though he's there because I don't want to lower it in my own mind. And so too walking around my house naked, I'm kind of basically saying, no one's watching me. I'm alone. And that's that's incorrect according to Judaism. Okay? Last point about getting dressed, and we can talk about it in one on one if you want, or in a future class. If you guys have questions, hit me with those questions, and we can put something together, or just call them out. Last point about getting dressed is I mentioned this a few weeks ago when we started this series. The hippie who ate my apple in my uh, cave that I was renting in Spot, so I, th- I thought I would inspire him by telling him, you know, Judaism says there's a way on how to put your shoes on. We put our shoes on right foot first because in Judaism, the right side represents love and compassion. The left side represents strength and judgment. And we always want to emphasize love over strength. And the hippie thought I was crazy. He said, God doesn't care how I put on my shoes. So based on what we just discussed about where is God, why does it matter how I put on my shoes? Does God care how I put on my shoes?
1: Was the hippie right?
0: Ah, it doesn't have to do with God. God doesn't care how I put on my shoes. I care how I put on my shoes. It matters to me to raise my consciousness at every moment to remind myself that kindness and love is the focal point of my life. So again, OCD, don't do it, All right? If it brings you down and it lowers your God consciousness and your love and compassion, don't do it. You're doing it wrong. But if you can do it with mindfulness, so the goal is to be mindful of every moment of your life, every moment of your day. So, so Judaism says when you get dressed, you first put on your right sleeve, then your left sleeve. When you wash your body, you first do your head, then your right arm, then your left arm. When you put on your shoes first, the right shoe, then the left shoe. Why? For me, not for anyone else, for me to raise my awareness. If it helps, it's a tool. It's an amazing tool to be mindful at every moment. Okay, so that's it for getting dressed now. Does anyone have any questions on getting dressed as a Jew? So again, I'm just throwing you out, you know, a day in the life. Take from this what inspires you and what you feel will help you become a more God-conscious, better person, right? And if it's not inspiring to you, so Judaism is not all or nothing, okay? And anyone who tries to do all of Judaism in a single day will fail miserably because it's very complicated. There's a lot to it, but the ultimate goal is God consciousness—that I should be aware that there is a creator at every moment, that there's oneness to connect to the soul.